morning. Can you get rid of that for me, Ev? Oh, you can come and take your seats now and um, focus. I'm here. <laughs> oh, Jesus is good. Love it. Oh, I was late getting up here because Brendan's here. Stand up, Brendan. Wave to everybody. Go on. Well, it says when one lost sheep is missing, then the father leaves the 99 goes after the one. So he's been missing for two years. So I'm really happy that he's here. He emailed us last week and said he wanted to be rebaptized. He wants to get back to church. He's not happy with his lifestyle. And do you know what it does? Your heart's so good when one of your sons comes back. You know, it's like, yeah, you know when they're missing, Brendan. You know when they're missing. And the mother's heart cries out and prays for you. And then they turn up and say, yes, prayer answered. I love it. Anybody like my new dress? Yeah. My husband bought that for my birthday. No, he didn't choose it. He just gave me the money. And... Uh, yeah, I still don't trust him there. Even after 37 years, I'll choose my own dresses. Because he, he would love to dress me in floral like his mother, like English florals. Um, yeah. I wore floral last week and he loved it. You know, it's kind of important what we wear, isn't it? I mean, especially to ladies, but guys too. Did you think about what you were wearing this morning? Did you plan it? Did you plan it last night, all the ladies? Were you thinking about, what am I going to wear to church tomorrow? Did you go through your wardrobe and try a million things on and just, they're all over the bed? Those of us who have three sizes to choose from because what our bodies are doing, I do, and I leave the house and there's clothes all over the bed and it's just like I'm still not happy with what I'm wearing. We get like that because it's really important to us what we're wearing. And you know what? To God... It's so important what we're wearing. Not, I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in the spiritual. Yeah. That we're actually clothed in the right clothing so that we can stand in who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen? So if you get, you get an invitation, say, to a wedding, and usually on the invitation, does it say dress code? And so if it says cocktail and you turned up in your shorts and sand shoes, you're going to feel a bit left out, is that right? And you're not going to blend in with the atmosphere of what's going on. And so in the same way, God has sent an invitation out to his people and there's kind of a dress code. Let me explain to you. Scott is looking at me going, where is she going with this one? Now I can see that look on his face. Where is she going with this one? In Matthew, we read a parable about this very thing. So let me read it to you and it will be up on the screen. You can read along with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage. So Jesus spoke in parables, right? This is a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Who's the son? Jesus, yeah. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Who's that? The Jews. Yeah. And so, again, he sent out another servant saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. 
my oxen, my fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. Sometimes it's like that when God's inviting us to come and be with him at a special feast or to come and be with him and have a meal with him and talk with him and have a conversation with him. Sometimes it's just everything is so busy and everything is more important than that. Who knows that? Or am I the only one that blows that all the time? Amen. And then in verse 8, he says to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and, and as many as you can find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found. I like this. It says both bad and good. So just like anybody can come. But there was a dress code. Look at this. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then I'm paraphrasing the next part because it's so intense. But the king cast him out. He just cast him out. And then he says in verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. And there's another translation of that that says, for many are called, but few make themselves choosable. Many are called, but few will put on the garments of the dress code that is needed for that occasion. You get it? You'll get it soon. You know, the moment you're born again, you are clothed. You are invited to come before the Lord's presence. And we, we've talked about that over the last few weeks about you know coming into the most holy place through the blood of Jesus, that we're allowed to come there, that we can come there boldly and worship at his throne. You come into the Lord's presence through the blood of Jesus and the scriptures clearly tell us that you've been given garments to wear. Clearly, let's have a look at it, Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Everyone say garments of salvation. And he has covered me, everyone say covered me, with the robe of righteousness. Wow. Just think about that right now. You're actually wearing garments of salvation. And you're actually covered with a robe of righteousness. Amen. And as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. That's how you look to God. That's how you are dressed when God looks at you. He sees you with the garments of salvation on, and he sees you with a robe of righteousness because you are in Jesus. Amen. Adam and Eve tried, uh, I'll just go back, sorry. One of the beautiful metaphors of salvation is that of clothing appropriate, appropriate for coming into God's presence. Such clothing is not something we ourselves can make or purchase. It must be prepared and provided by God himself. Adam and Eve tried to dress themselves. Who knows that? With fig leaves. And God 
just came and said, look, let me dress you. And he killed an animal, made them skins and covered them with skins. It was, it was clothing that God provided for them for sanctification. So it is today. If we come to God dressed in our works of righteousness, our works of righteousness, I've done this, God, and I've done that, God, and I've been good, God, and I've ticked all the boxes, God. We can never make it because the Scriptures say that all our righteousness are as filthy rags in the presence of God. Wow. All our righteousness. Everything we can do good is like filthy rags in the presence of God. That's not what He's asking for. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness is like filthy rags. Without Jesus, we've just got filthy rags on. We're dressed in the wrong dress code. Amen. He must provide the clothing. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So number one, we are clothed with Christ at conversion, the moment you were saved, everyone say, I was clothed with Christ. Think about it. You actually put Christ on. He actually covered over your filthy rags. He actually took your dirty rags off and put him on you. His righteousness, his robe of righteousness, his garments of salvation. And number two, we need to be clothed in Christ now and continually. I don't know about you, when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like I'm clothed in Christ. Do you? Especially if you've had a bad night's sleep. Some of you, the kids have been waking up all night. Do you feel clothed in Christ, Evan, when you have sat all night on a chair rocking your little one to sleep like the good dad that you are? And I know you've been doing that because Jesse dobbed you in. Every night, he's been sitting there for like three hours rocking Remy to sleep so Jesse can put the baby to sleep like a good dad. And you know, in the morning when you wake up, do you feel like you're wearing Christ? Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Eve. So it's as if, it's almost as if we have to continuously put this clothes on. We, we need to get with Jesus and put this on. We need to get dressed. Like I know when I get up in the morning, I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear for the day and I want to, you know, prepare myself for whatever I'm about to go into and I want to wear the right clothing. But if I don't have Christ on me, I'm actually, the Bible says in Revelations, blind, pitiful, poor, wretched and naked. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? You know, you, th you think that you're rich, but actually you're blind, pitiful, poor, wretched and naked. Um, so... Who knows about the story of the emperor's new clothes, you know? So the emperor, you know, they came and they said, well, we can dress you, and they were tricking him, and, you know, they pretended to make all these clothes, but actually he was naked, and he went out naked, and every, no one wanted to tell him that he was naked. No one wanted to tell him, except one little innocent child. The king is naked, you know? And, uh, and he got exposed. He went, what have you done to me? You know, we don't realize it, but we actually go out, actually naked you know we've got clothes on but our spirit our spiritual being is not clothed in Christ and we go so we have to we have to put this on every day every day every day I know what I do I get up in the morning and you know I brush my teeth do all those things and I go downstairs 
And the first thing I do, even before breakfast, is that I just sit there, I put my earphones in because I'm easily distracted. Any easily distracted people in the room? And one noise, like a bird sings, I'm like, what's that? I'm just really distracted. So I put earphones in and I put music on so that I can just zone in. And I just wait on God and be still before God until I feel Him clothing me in that music. And then I begin to have a conversation. And as I'm having this conversation, He's clothing me. He's speaking to me. Look, you can do this in like 10 minutes, you know. And how long does it take you to get dressed in your clothes in the morning, Evan? I'm picking on you today. Oh, come on. I'm not talking to you anymore. Son-in-law, work with me. 45 seconds. I know men just get dressed like zoom, zoom, and they're done. Is that right? So you can put Christ on pretty fast too. And as we're putting Christ on every morning, we're actually being transformed by His power. We're being transformed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the image of Christ. The more that we see Him, the more we behold Him, the more we put on Christ, put on Christ. See, Paul tells us to put it on. So if he tells us to put it on, then maybe we can take it off. I don't know. It's a thought. Romans 13, 11 says this and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep sounds like something we need to hear now for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed amen the night is far spent the day is at hand you know we're living in an unusual times we're living in dark times and we have to put on the light we have to put on our garments of light. We need to look different from the world. We need to live different from the world. And we need protection. Amen? Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See that? The armor of light. I remember years ago, I was ministering to someone who'd just come out of high-level witchcraft, out of the occult. And she would say, it's so funny how Christians are so scared of us. Because you've got to know this. When I walk down the street, I can see a Christian coming from miles because the light is blinding. And even if that Christian is kind of not really walking with God, I have to walk on the other side of the road. I can't come near them. Because Christ inside of them is like a blinding light that actually blinds us and, and, and stops us from cursing or doing... And we can't do anything. We're actually immobilized by the very light of God that's on that person. She told me that. You guys need to know who you are, she's saying, because you're running scared from something that we're scared of you, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. Huh? It's like the kids at night. You know, if, when you were a kid or your kids, you know, they go, they're crying. You know, there's a boogeyman, there's a boogeyman. You turn on the light, it's just a jacket hanging on the door. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, just turn the light on. And it says here, um, and let us put on the armor of light, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, nor in lewdness or lust, nor in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So I can either wear flesh or I can wear Jesus. I can either wear darkness or I can either wear light. It's my choice. I can choose. 
and I can choose that because I need to put it on. It's a choice I make. It's not just something that happens. It's a choice that I make every day, every choice I make in my mind, every thought I have, every decision I go to make. You know, is this, is this Christ or is this flesh? What do I want to wear today? What decisions will I make today in the things that come to me? So sometimes the command is to put on certain godly characteristics that are a reflection of Christ. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, put on patience. How many times do you have to put those things on when you're faced with certain? Isn't that right? You know what I mean? You choose to put it on. You choose. Even in the most difficult situations, if you choose to act like Christ, you're putting Christ on. If you choose to act like Him, if you choose to react like Him, I love this quote. I put it on Facebook yesterday. yesterday. If you really want to be like Jesus, be the one who stays when everyone else walks away. Be the one who forgives even when it's undeserved. Be the one who shows grace when everyone else is casting stones. Be the one who shows love even when they betray you because that's who Jesus is. And sometimes we're faced with challenges that are are smaller. You know, something happens or we're in a situation. Maybe it's a temptation that comes to us and we just go, no, I choose Christ. Like Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. I choose Christ. I choose to put Christ on and I choose to walk away from this temptation. Maybe it's something that's been done to you. Maybe someone's been cruel to you, betrayed you. You know, that's unjust. They deserve punishment. But what do they get? What do they get from Christ? They get forgiveness. They get love. They get, they get, they get patience and kindness and gentleness. You sow that stuff back, you put Christ on and you see that person that has even betrayed you or hurt you be transformed by the very power of God. Because when we act in the opposing spirit to what's coming at us, we're actually defeating the enemy. We actually defeat him. So the call to put on these godly characteristics is rooted in our status of those who are holy, chosen and loved by God. So when we allow ourselves to be clothed in the Spirit by choosing to put on Christ by our Christ-like behavior and then spending time with Him so that as I behold Him, I become like Him. As I behold Him, I become like Him. The more I behold Him, I become like Him. Is that true? We become, by what, we become like what we behold. It's the truth. Some people look like they're dogs, I tell you. I've seen some people look like chihuahuas and they just, they just worship this chihuahua. It's, anyway, sorry if you're a dog lover, I am too. So every morning I get up and I'm in the natural. I may be in my flesh. I might have had nightmares and weird dreams and I might have had my head going all night like it does. And Phil says, you're at it again. Usually I bind the devil and I deliver people in my sleep. So if you're in my dream, watch out uh, because I'm going to get you. 
Um, so I'm usually going, in Jesus' name, and I yell out in my sleep. And last night, you were gorgeous. You were saying, and they shall come. The redeemed of the Lord shall come into the house of the Lord. And, you know, he was like, he was getting salvation. I'm delivering them. He saves them. I, he catches them. I gut them. You know, it's sort of, you know, catches the fish. I gut the fish. You know, sort of like that. <laughs> But I wake up out of dreams like that, and it's like, oh, who am I? I don't know who I am. And I have to go. I have to, I've made a habit. Everyone say, make a habit. Now, would you walk out the door naked? Would you walk out the door in your pajamas? You've got a habit of getting dressed. You just wouldn't do it. Why would you walk out without Christ? Amen? And you can feel, I just sit there until I feel like I'm being clothed. It's, it's just... It can happen in a moment in time because when you do it every day and it's a habit and it's a discipline, it actually happens quicker than if you leave it a long time and then you've got to kind of, you know, get yourself out of the way to get into his presence. You know what happens when you do this on a regular basis? What happens is this. As you behold Jesus, as you spend time with Jesus and as you choose to put him on, he reveals himself to you in greater dimensions. He reveals different facets of his nature and his character to you so that you can put that on. Here's another thing you can put on. Here's another piece of clothing you can put on, he says. Put on righteousness. Put on meekness. Put on, you know, kindness. Put, he tells you, he teaches you about himself and how he would react to people, how he would react to certain situations. But not only does he reveal himself, whereas he's revealing himself, something incredible happens. He begins to reveal your own identity within that relationship. Let's have a look at this in Matthew 16. He's talking to his disciples and he's saying, many people are saying, I'm John the Baptist on this, on that. And he says, he said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter has had a revelation of who Jesus is by the Spirit. And then look what happens. And I also say to you that you are Peter. I also say to you that you are Peter. His name was Simon. But Jesus, in that moment of receiving the revelation of Jesus, Peter gets a revelation of who he really is. Because Peter means rock. And he said to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Suddenly, Peter, the fisherman, in one revelation of who Jesus is, his identity is marked. That you are Peter. That I'm showing you your true identity, the original identity that I formed you in before the beginning of time. You are Peter. And you are this rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will prevail against it. Suddenly Peter realized that he's more than a fisherman. In that revelation, Peter had a revelation in Jesus, and in turn Jesus identified Peter. Peter had a revelation of Jesus, and in turn Jesus identified Peter. 
The more Jesus is revealed, the more we are identified. I can say like, he is shepherd and I'm a sheep of his pasture. He is Lord and I am a follower. He is king and I am royalty. What about this one? He is father and I'm his daughter. Why don't you say that right now? He is father and I am his don't say you're a son if you're a daughter. I am his son. I am his. You know, there's something about the revelation as we spend time with Jesus that he reveals who we are, that we belong, that we are born with a purpose, that we are created and fashioned after him, that we are made in the image of God. As we put on Christ and we spend time with him, the revelation of our own identity comes. But you see, enemy... The, the enemy, Satan, he does not want you to discover your identity and he does not want you to get more revelation of Jesus and he definitely does not want you to put on Christ. He doesn't want you to be clothed. So he's constantly at you. He's constantly, the Bible says that he's before the throne of God day and night accusing you. That's bad. Day and night. Day and and night so you wake up in the morning and Satan's been accusing you all night before the throne of God right and then you go and you put on Christ and guess what Satan can't find you where's she gone where's he gone because you're hidden the Bible talks about you being hidden in Christ you're in clothing that he cannot accuse you in there is nothing to accuse because of the blood of Jesus that has paid the full price, right? When you have the garments of salvation on, when you put on the robe of righteousness, when, you're, when you've got the armor of light on you, the enemy cannot accuse you. There is nothing on you. Nothing. So he can accuse all day and all night about someone else, but I'm going to stay clothed where he can't find me. Amen. And every time he does clothe, he does accuse me. I'm going to remind him of who I am. And I'm going to remind him of the clothes that I wear. And I'm going to remind him that I am not dressed in filthy rags. That I don't just have works of righteousness like filthy rags. No, I am under the righteousness and the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ, who is the perfect one. Amen. Hallelujah. So he does his best. Oh, I'm going to go back because this is an important thing. He doesn't want you to discover your identity. Otherwise, like Peter, you will also discover your destiny and your authority. If you discover your identity, you will discover your destiny and you will discover your authority. And Satan doesn't want that to happen. Because if you discover your destiny and authority, you're going to change the world and you're going to destroy his kingdom and you're going to bring the kingdom of God to earth and he doesn't want that to happen. Amen? So he wants to accuse you, accuse you, accuse you, accuse you. Every little thing you do wrong, he's going to throw another rag at you. He's going to cover you with another rag. He's going to accuse you before the throne. That's why we continuously have to put on Christ. Amen? Because, because Satan does not want you to come into the presence of God. 
He does not want you to. But we know the scriptures say that we can boldly come to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus. We can boldly come into the most holy place. We did that a few weeks ago. Revelations 12.10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come. Listen to that. When we get a revelation of Christ, we get a revelation of this. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. You imagine if the whole church, every Christian across the face of the earth, had a revelation of who they are in Christ, who put on Christ every morning, who acted like Christians, for goodness sakes, who actually acted like Jesus. Satan has nothing on us. So in Zechariah, we see the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah is a prophet, and prophets see things that are going on. Oftentimes, in the spiritual realm, a prophetic person or a prophet will see Satan trying to attack or accuse someone, or they'll see someone that's weak and then and they're being like really hammered by the enemy, and they will go into prayer because God will show them that, and they'll go into prayer to uplift that person or to strengthen them. And we see the prophet Zechariah here, and and we have the high priest Joshua. And Joshua is a high priest before God, but obviously Satan has been at him, right? And we see this story. He said, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord, and I love this. So let's get this picture. There's Joshua. He's standing there. And there's Satan, and he's accusing him. Just picture yourself standing there right now before the throne of God. And there's Satan accusing you. But watch what happens here. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen, the Lord who has chosen him, the Lord who has chosen you, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Is that right? Brendan, you've been plucked from the fire this morning. And Satan has been accusing you and trying to have a go at you. And God stands in your defense. Your father defends you. Amen. We talked about last week the Holy Spirit being our advocate in a court of law. Here we are in a courtroom. Here we are with Joshua standing there. There we are with Satan accusing him in the courtroom. And the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In other words, isn't he saved because of my grace? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. And he was standing before the angel. And then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, 
take the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said to them, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my commands, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge over my courts. And I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Hear, O Joshua the high priest, your, you and your companions. It says you and your companions that are going to be used in the days that we live in. Hear this, you and your companions, for you are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. This is what happens to you just about every day. And you don't even realize in the spirit realm, there's a war going on over your life every day where there's an accuser that's trying to accuse you. And Jesus is saying, put me on. Just put on the garments of salvation. Put on the robe of righteousness. Don't go undressed. Don't walk out with filthy rags on that Satan's put on you overnight or whatever. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy, the father of lies, who's been lying to you and holding you in this place for how long? Telling you you're not worthy, you're not good enough. No, you're not worthy. No, you're not good enough. That's why Jesus died. We're only worthy in Him. Amen. We're only righteous in Him when we put Him on. Amen. In Job 29, 14, it says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Revelations 98, and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Awake, awake, put on the garments, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. And in the Passion Translation, it says this, Wake up, listen to this, wake up, open your eyes. We need to open our eyes to see what's really happening. Open your eyes, beautiful Zion. Put on your majestic strength, Jerusalem, the sacred city. Put on your glory garments. Open your eyes, see what's going on here, and put on your glory garments. Now, I'm just going to ask... Um, Tom to come and we're going to help you understand this at another level. <coughs> Whoop. My microphone. Sorry. Just turn that music up a little bit, please, there. Okay, here's Tom. Take your socks off, Tom. Yeah, I want to see your feet. Now face the people. You're standing before the throne of God right now. There's the, there's the throne of God and the courtroom is in session. And Satan is right there and he's accusing you. And he's saying, look at Tom. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Does he think that he could stand before your presence? Does he think that he's good enough for you? I don't think so. Look at him. He's filthy. He's got filthy rags on him. I saw what he did yesterday. I saw what he was thinking. I saw what he acted like. I saw the way he treated that person. 
You know, let's get a turban on his head because I want to cover up the mind of Christ. And we'll just put a filthy turban on his head, right? And then he'll come along and he'll go, you know what? He needs, he deserves more rags, more rags. Just cover him with dirty rags because that's all he's worth. That's what Satan does to us. That's what he does. That's how you feel half the time, like that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now just put that other song in if you don't mind. But then Father stands here. And the Father sees you. And the Father says, come into my presence. In come into the love. light of my love. Come, let me clothe you so in light. So come away from Satan. And he comes. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. See, that is not Tom. And that that's not Tom. And that is not Tom. And this is not Tom. That is not Tom. No, this is my son in whom I love. The angel of the Lord gets fine linen and he clothes him. And we clothe ourselves in Christ. We choose to get dressed. We start getting dressed in the morning. Just turn the music up a little, please. You tell me I'm yours, shielded and sure. My heart is your home. Light is your love. And gently, Jesus dresses us. Don't you know who you are, Tom? Don't you know that I've created you? Don't you know that you have? place in my kingdom. Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I've forgiven you? Don't you know I've given you my heart, my grace, and my peace? And we're clothed in white linen. And then he says, put on the mind of Christ. And let me cover you completely in linen and in Jesus' name. And then Tom begins to lift his hands. And his spirit begins to believe what Jesus says about him. Jesus comes around him, the Holy Spirit comes around him like a white light. Suddenly his eyes are opened. His eyes are opened to how Jesus sees him. And his life is transformed. Suddenly there is not a mirror in front of him with a filthy image, but the image that stands in front of him is God himself. And he realizes I've been made in the very image of God, that I am actually clothed in the garments of salvation, that I wear the robes of righteousness, and I have full right to come into the very presence of God. Lord Jesus, let's stand to our feet right now. Turn the music up, please. Just thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands to the
while we're in this place here, if you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, I know Brendan, you do just run down the front.